Tonight, we take a look at the latest episode of Strange New Worlds, then we'll discuss the latest episode of The Orville, and conclude tonight's broadcast with a look at FX's The Old Man. All this coming up right now on The Ryder Brothers. And welcome back to your Tuesday night home for movies, games, shows, and books, past, present, and future. I am, of course, your host, Petey York, and I am joined by my co-host, co-producer, Poyo Zapatos, a.k.a. John, and, of course, Mr. Brandon, Devil Cry 3. Welcome, gentlemen. Sadly, uh, Corion, uh, oh, he just popped in the chat, said, just came in to wish you all <laughs> luck. Sorry I lost my voice. That's the last time I deal with a sea witch. And uh, sandwich. We, we wish you, well, no, it's a sea witch that he tried to make. He probably said, hey, go make me a sandwich, and, and she did, and it came with uh, came with the price of oh. losing his voice. I don't know. I'm just, we miss you, Corion. We wish you guys were, we wish you and CC Karaoke well this evening as you guys take care of whatever it is you all need to take care of, and, and we look forward to having everyone back here as, as soon as we can. Uh, but with that... You're going to go ahead and uh, we're kind of shuffling things around, last minute changes of, uh, of the play order here. So we're actually going to start with FX as the old man, and uh, then we'll go to Strange New Worlds and conclude with Orville. Uh, just a last minute change the lineup. It happens in this. Um, so first of all, kind of a change up to the formula. Uh, Corion says, nah, the sandwich is cool, but she cheats at cards. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Sandwich spilled. Oh, yeah, I get it. Gamble. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are here to discuss one of FX's newest shows, The Old Man. And uh, John, I, I know we have a formula for this, but I gotta be honest, I didn't find anything I didn't like about these first couple of episodes. What about you? Yeah, I mean, if I was gonna say anything I don't like is I don't like now knowing what my future holds for me as an old man. Uh, <laughs> okay, you, 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 you might be a badass, but you're not Jeff Bridges' badass, okay? Anyway. No, I just mean more the peeing seven times before the opening credits finish. Yeah, yeah, that that opening scene was... I got some perspective there on, on what to look forward to in the next, uh, you know, 20 or so years. Probably sooner, knowing Five my years? Life. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, next I, week? Yeah, yeah. Next next week, I'm officially 60, guys. I know. I decided, you know what? 30s and 40s and 50s. I don't. I don't need that. I, I'm just gonna go straight to 60. Hey, man. I had someone told me tell me today they thought I was in my mid to late 30s. When I graduated <laughs> high school, they were in middle school. Yeah. Well, that's that's the youth these days. Like, if you're one year older than them, you might as well be a grandpa. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, The Old Man is a show that could basically quickly be summed up as what if John Wick retired? Um, that's the easiest quick sell that I could give it. So, Brandon, if I really wanted you to get excited about this show, I, if you like John Wick or you like Jason Bourne, I'd be like, this is what he did instead of going to the retirement home. Um, I was going to say, yeah. my only immediate argument to, to that would be John Wick starts off John Wick by being retired. <laughs> 
retire, re-retirement, re-retirement, <laughs> re-retired, re-re-retired. Yeah, we're up to like retired five. the forthcoming. <laughs> yeah, John Wick Part Seventeen. Um, retired of the fourth kind. Yeah. See, and that's just it. This show is so good. It's it's just making the discussion better. Even just talking, we're not even talking directly about it. I'm trying to summarize, and we're coming up with some good material. Um. So basically, imagine it, you know John Wick coming out of retirement for the thirtieth time, and he's he's just been living in the mountains by himself, and pretty much going through the stages of old manhood. Um, you literally have to sit through the opening scene of him getting up in the middle of the night to pee several times until the last time is is him having a dream about his wife, and. Uh, it does a really good job of setting the stage and the tone of the overall show. Uh, the soundtrack really helps to back up the feel. And it also it also really challenges your perspective on who to right away. Because immediately we're introduced to uh, Jeff Bridges' adversary, played by John Lithgow, the assistant director at the FBI right now. And there's a history there that we're not all too familiar with. Go ahead. Oh, I guess the mic just picked up your breathing. Sorry, it sounded like you were about to ask a question. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I was like the precursor of a yawn. I just bre- had the urge to breathe in real deep. Nice. Nice. So, uh, yeah, uh, John, why don't you go ahead and, and chime in? What what do you think really sells you on uh, on FX's The Old Man, aside from Jeff Bridges? I mean, really, you should just be able to say, huh, Jeff Bridges, and then, okay. Uh, you know, sometimes... I'm going to be... Yeah, I, actually, I think that's the funniest part about it is the reason I was standoffish about it just from seeing the like Facebook ads was I was like, Jeff Bridges, he's not a killer. So this is probably going to be probably another like degradation of heroes, maybe something about um, getting over PTSD. I just like I don't watch trailers, so I just picked up what I saw in the first five seconds before scrolling away. And so I was like a little bit nervous, but then at one point I decided after you had mentioned that we should definitely look into this one, I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, that looks really exciting, but still Jeff Bridges, he he has the chance. Like ever since Tron Legacy, I really got the vibe that like he could play any character. Like as far as who's gonna replace uh, Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, Jeff Bridges is right there in the running, like a hundred percent ready to play the Gandalfs, ready to play the dark wizards, ready to play whatever you need as far as sage old man, especially because of his character, the, the dude from the big Lebowski. But then when you watch this show, you're like, I wonder how much of that is still going to reign true while he's also going through like an active war journey are we going to get more of that like i'm too tough for help or are we going to get an actual human because that's kind of what jeff bridges represents is he's a human that's achieved wisdom not necessarily a superhuman that was blessed with wisdom yeah and yeah it's wild. yeah it really feels like that yeah, and I mean that's just that's my point. Like, if you're a fan of John Wick, if you're a fan of Jason Bourne, and the the first John Wick, I mean, I mean yeah. in, in my opinion, I, I felt that John Wick actually too... to to jump onto that one. If you're a fan of those shows and you wonder what would happen if Gandalf was those people, 
this is very close. Like, I feel like this is very much like what would a wise old man do if he was also a super secret spy. And this show is showing that, like, oh, Gandalf does have some physical prowess. And, and I think it's really fun. It's I, really cool. It's really rough. Uh, just, yeah. sorry, as a weird thought, have you guys seen the, the show Hitmonkey, by the way? I've never mm, even heard of it. Not that I can think of now. Oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> Wait, was that one on? Was that it, on uh, Hulu? It's on Hulu. Yes, it's I so. It, I was curious. I was just because we were talking about like John Wick and stuff, and like part of the whole point of Hit Monkey is. Uh, I main, love Hit Monkey. Yeah, Hit Monkey is hilarious oh, and awesome at the same time. It's very graphic. Um, so great. The the so main invincible. like. The main two characters and is a monkey. Aggression and an assassin the whole idea behind it is that the assassin dies out by the monkeys and ends up being seen by one of the monkeys so it's like he the the monkey is the quiet straight man and the hitman's the obnoxious talkative like lived a terrible life not a great dude and is getting this monkey to go and like take revenge on these people it's it's a wild show <laughs> It's really funny. It's uh, the hitman is a ghost, um, played by Jason Sudeikis or voiced by Jason Sudeikis. Um, it's very much yeah. I guess it would be kind of like a younger man's journey version of Jeff Bridges' character in this show. Not necessarily that he's funny, but in terms of you're getting an actual person's life that like the the spy tropes always just been it's the best among us that are the most nimble and available and fighting but it realized like this show's really starting to show that it no it's the hardened it's the ones that are willing to put themselves aside and then this shows about a guy that had to put himself aside and then put his country aside and it's really interesting to see that like double conundrum but then like i said still be jeff bridges the sage wise man like none of his actions feel false or forced like they real really feel like as far as that guy would decide those are his only options and if i were in his shoes i would agree yeah i, I really applaud this show tremendously for sticking to the realism of the circumstance like born was really good about keeping it mostly realistic didn't make him too much into an action hero it was still believable uh, same with the first John Wick movie. And, uh, like, the, the pacing on this, on these two episodes, is very impressive because it's not super quick, but you don't get bored. And, and you really start to slowly get invested in not just Jeff Bridges' character, but also John Lithgow's character. And then it turns out there's a history between them, and we don't really know what that is, and that's what we'll probably find out throughout the rest of the show. And so it's, it's going to be an interesting game of cat and mouse between the two and i mean these are two well, and, and it's an even it's an even more interesting game of cat and mouse because kind of like tom and jerry as the show escalated it got to the point where very clearly tom didn't really want to kill jerry he just needed to keep jerry in line or i can't remember who's here i'm pretty sure tom's the mouse no tom was the cat tom's, tom's the, the cat tom. yeah yeah, yeah so the... tom doesn't really want to kill jerry and that's really the game that we're watching is Lithgow, and these are semi-spoilers, um, but there's so much well 
uh, well organized and well delivered exposition that even just glossing over this fact, you'll be happy to see how it was put together and how it makes sense. Um, because like Lithgow wants to do his job because he hasn't given up his relationship with country, but he it feels more like now he's in Jeff Bridges' character's shoes. Whereas Jeff Bridges' character was in those shoes when he was agile and in his 20s, now John Lithgow's character is in the same position, but he's in his hardened 70s or 80s. I can't really tell how old they're supposed to be. I think they're about late 60s, early 70s, if I had to guess is what, what they might have been going for. But yeah, and, and it's just, it's these, these are two well-established actors, but I think what was even more incredible was when they did the flashbacks to their younger lives, the actors that they managed to pick to play the younger versions of Jeff Bridges and uh, John Lithgow, respectively. That was some impressive talent scouting overall. Not not just it's finding... How... Go ahead. I was going to say, that's kind of how I felt when I watched, I think it was the, the Men in Black 3 movie when uh, Will Smith's character, K, goes back... Or... Uh... Jay. Jay. Jay goes, goes back, back in time and Jay. he ends up meeting young K. I remember when I watched that, I was always like, dang, like that was that was a really, really good choice. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Like this dude got the point of the character, like Oh yeah, if there's anything that can be said for Josh Brolin is that he he does not you get what you pay for with him. He, mm-hmm. he does not uh he does not he could get away with being that, you know, Hollywood good-looking guy that, that can just, walk, you know, bullshit his way through any role. But but Brolin really is. I, man, it'd be cool if he showed up in this show. But, uh, yeah, so if you liked that, you're you're absolutely going to be not just blown away by the fact that, yeah, basically that's an excellent comparison, actually. That's perfect because that's exactly how the younger the actor versions... is very similar. Yeah. Like, Brolin took all the time to mimic the other actor's mannerisms that he had Johnny already Jones, established yeah. in previous movies and then these these actors in this show did the same thing like they literally just look like more agile virtue like, like i was wa- i was looking closely at when they first introduced young uh actually i don't even think we know his real name yet uh but when he, when he introduced young jeff bridges he i had to keep looking it just like is this like a de-aging? What's going on here? And no, they, they happen to pick an actor. They probably used some makeup and maybe a little CG Honestly, dude, ups, but... the actor they picked could have played Jeff Bridges or Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I really got both of those people. Like, he kind of had young Liam Neeson's lankiness. Yeah. But uh, one other thing that, that it really got me about this show is the attention to detail in what feels like supporting roles. Uh, because this is obviously like a more military FBI situation. There's one character that we barely know, but he seems to be more than just a filler. Um, I think we're going to get to know him in more episodes as it goes on, but he plays the role of an operator, like an actual special operations operator, to a T. Every time his inclinations are, like his spidey senses tingle, he registers it, records it, he looks at coincidences that he doesn't like, and he just figures them out the way an operator would. Like, he doesn't push needles, like in uh, other shows where, like, suddenly the badass becomes really badass till he gets his information. No, like, this operator's acting like a real operator. He's like, um, you were just on the phone, and he got away. 
is uh something i should know and he's like do i look like somebody you should mess with mind your own business junior yeah exactly and he's like and then just walks off and then there's also a point where he stares at him that was that was such a good line he's like do i do you know who i am and he's like yeah and he's like do you know how i got here and he's like yeah he's like do you think i let anybody think they could mess with me and he's like no he's like then stop staring at me so i can know that you're not messing with me or something like that (laughs) yeah put it back in your pants yeah and you're just oh man like you can see how like badass john lithgow's character is like he's not he's not even this like nerdy third alien on that's landed on the third rock from the sun he is a very very clear assistant director of the fbi yeah john lithgow john lithgow and badass not exactly uh not exactly a descriptor you'd ever expect jeff bridges and yet, nba same thing well i mean you're right in in this context i agree i would say that jeff bridges well, was a badass I mean, go ahead uh i mean with jeff bridges i mean he has done like action style roles before though to be fair what did uh, I can't think of one of them. I know I'm having a hard True time. True Grit and, and R.I.P. Oh, that's right. True Grit one. I still need to yeah, see. But both of those. Same, Iron Man. He had the same approach of well, like very he similar wasn't really... to this character actually. But those were still. Hmm. True Grit was definitely, but that was Western. That I feel I mean, like that he yeah. portrayed a cowboy perfectly. Right. You don't expect versus... like. Uh, then he start asking. <laughs> they start asking why this never happened before sooner and and then it's yeah. like you know because it's, it's 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 really well written we can oh, absolutely we say the writing is amazing on twitch oh we do the video just went unavailable air 5000 uh, not sure if that was my fault or i think it's your fault because i'm trying yep. i'm receiving my fault all Although, good no it's saying it restarted huh that's weird whatever twitch oh. <laughs> no hey, twitch it's uh yeah it, it's an amazing it's an amazing it's very well written and that's why we're not doing the formula for this one because it's just i didn't i, I loved every every minute of every episode was, was worth my time these yeah. are characters and that not are worth to mention like, in. this show did such a great job in being a fun story that if you do try to break down the beats it sounds really uh boring like if i were to label every instance that happened it would probably like for the first 10 minutes it's like the life of an old man and a phone call with his daughter and a and realization that dogs. things are not going the way yeah, yeah just none of it going to the is, doctor yeah and so like when you think about it it's like the beats all don't sound fun but as you're watching it it feels quick it feels like there's something going on the music behind it everything about it just feels flowing you know it's really impressive and it's it's one of the more fun shows that i've seen especially when it comes to the idea of like a tv show being similar to 24 when there's so many other things that are better than 24 these days but if you think about it they're not really much better like 
even though 24 became very formulaic and you always knew it was going to happen we don't really see anything that garnered that kind of watch support but watching this i could see it just booming will, will jack bauer solve the problem in 24 hours yep this season will he be able to solve it within 24 hours yep the stakes are high. The terrorism level threat is beyond dark red. Will Jack Bauer in 24 hours? Yep. <laughs> there was. It never time, became 48. Like how? It becomes how. Yeah. It becomes how do I? How does this happen? What what happens next? Well, it's, it's and that's what's so fun. It's clear that that Jack Bauer was able to pull it off in 24 hours because he secretly was actually the original first Avenger, but you know. Uh, Marvel just scrapped that idea because it was stupid. Anyway, uh, no, it's a bad joke. Uh, yeah, it, it does kind of feel like the, the pacing and progression is very much like 24. Like I said, the action doesn't feel forced or contrived. I, I was, it was really hard to watch some of those action scenes, n not because you're cringing. Well, I was cringing, but I wasn't cringing because I was like, oh, this looks so fake, like Harrison Ford throwing punches at Indiana Jones. No, it felt fit. It felt it. I cringed because I was like, they're actually treating this like an old man out of practice, out of out of touch with the world and needs to be able to to get his strength back and he needs to overcome these obstacles. And you're like, he's fighting these younger guys. He's getting his ass handed to him. How does he get out of this? And that's what I really loved about it was the fact that he got out of the situations in believable ways. Yeah, and so, and not only not only in believable ways, but you watch him adapt because yeah. there's this fight with a younger, more capable operator, and that operator is winning. And you see him adapting in real time, and he's getting more hits in as the fight goes on. He's getting more swings in, and that's where I'm gonna leave you. Yeah, Brandon, but, you really like, you see him learn. I that, like yeah. There's a lot of lines in it, but there's this one theme that like is seems persistent for the first two episodes, and it's you have no idea how much the company has evolved since you left. Right. But then also at the same time, how good is the best if they can't truly adapt to the time they're in now? Those seem to be the two running themes, and I'm like, that sounds like a really fun experience. Yeah, and I like the I like the build up of the story. That, like I said, the the pacing's good. The characters are all interesting. Even even the even the the woman that he meets in the process. Um, I, I found oh my gosh, that whole uh, oh Corion's back. Youth and exuberance will always be beaten by old age and treachery. That's pretty much I what we have in this show. Change treachery to planning. Yeah, it, meticulous. With wisdom comes knowledge of what could and couldn't happen so be prepared yeah like more boy scout than ever yeah don't don't underestimate your foes and i think that's why the the agents had trouble trying to get him controlled was because they thought ah, this is an old guy he doesn't know it he, he doesn't even know what a qrc is uh excuse me quick quick reference card i bet he doesn't even know how a computer works we got this guy in the bag it's easy and and of course that well you know I always say that we do, you know we don't have an issue with doing spoilers yet. I just I don't want to. 
Well, no, so the, the, yeah, the reason I don't want to do spoilers for this one especially is because one, Brandon hasn't seen it, and two, get in on this, man. If you're already watching Orville with us, like, get in, watch it, and and follow along. And the reason we can't, like, the, the one of the bigger reasons we can't is because we didn't tell you we were watching it this week. Yeah, yeah, we, no. We switched up our schedule. Change up the lineup, and, and so, no, it's it's totally, but, but I'm telling you, it, it It'll be worth your time, and, and anyone watching this right now, like it's, this is a show you don't want to miss. It, it is one that that is, like I said, notice we, we had general discussion on. We had, we're just doing general discussion because <laughs> skipped right to it. I, I don't, I liked everything so far, and I'm excited for the next episode this week. Like I'm genuinely excited for a show, and. and uh, honestly, I'm getting I, a lot of vibes from FX that like I used to get from FX. Yeah. Kind of like what they did with their uh, what is it? Justified, still one of my favorite. I still need like, to watch more of that, but I've, I've watched a few episodes. Yeah, that's that's some quality television. And oh yeah, yeah so like, if you like Justified, John, would you say that people would like The Old Man? Oh yeah, no. If, if you're looking for what FX used to do. Um, before I want to say there was one after the Americans that really started to go downhill but if you like their old stuff like back when they were releasing the original four seasons of uh, American Horror Story that kind of action show that they would release before American Horror Story this is right there it's right back to that old formula of fun stuff to watch like you enjoy every second of it it's really good. Yeah, and it's based on a book to too. Do, this could be Archer. <laughs> this could be the story of where Archer went after dying. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, anything else you want to add on to to the old man? I mean, I know it's it's kind of a quick discussion, but it's. Uh, I just I can't honestly. It's just going to be more praise for me because yeah. this is what. Oh, Brendan, do you have any questions about it? Uh, I mean, I mean not really. I also am the type where, like, I'd rather know less, <laughs> usually. Well, that's just it, though, too. Even with the two episodes and, and, and exposition, the exposition was really just kind of more character building. It wasn't really a whole lot. There's, We have no idea, unless you've read the book. And I don't know how closely mm-hmm. it's following the book right now, which is why we'll definitely be reading after the show airs to do a comparison. But... It's we don't know anything in those, and, and that's mm. what really blows me away is that they managed to slow drip these first two episodes and really set up. Dude, this was a great opening pilot that wasn't you know fast, fast, fast. Got to get to the next scene, next scene, next scene. It was it was a proper slow burn, and I think it's going to work for this show in the in the long run. And, I think well, it's, and that was the great thing is like the speed was in the fast scenes. Yeah, they were set up appropriate to be as fast as they were, and you're like oh. And then it's over and you're not like, like, there's no breaks. There's no hard stops. It's just like flow and it's really fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I really enjoy the show. I think anybody that actually gives it a shot, but also like there should be some warning. It is military. It is killing and murder and uh, espionage and borderline on it's in the territory of what every conspiracy theory hopes is actually real. Like, there's one good guy in the swamp, you know? And and we're getting to see something 
more drawn out but in the perfect areas like where they take their slow time they're explaining stuff that really matters and it feels like it matters to the whole show like it feels like if you miss a sentence you miss half the puzzle and i think that's really really important especially in like with modern television like when you watch a show you don't want to have to feel like 80 minutes could have been skipped between the beginning and the end and now i know it's going on next episode looking at you walking dead yeah i well even if you're gonna like if you're gonna hype up a cliffhanger like you gotta have no cliffhangers before otherwise we just get used to the cliffhanger <laughs> and i feel like this this show didn't really leave a cliffhanger all it did was just make me want to watch the next episode I have no idea what's going on, and yeah, I'm not, na- I'm not, you know, chewing my nails off either. It's, it's very much, it's just a good show, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I can't say that enough. Like, this is just good television. It's just good, solid entertainment. It's not, it's not popcorny, but you can, you can eat popcorn. You enjoy popcorn watching it, but it's not a popcorn show. It's not a popcorn flick. It's a very, just raw. Uh, you know, this guy's been just trying to live out his retirement in peace, and now he's been found, and we don't know why. We don't even know what the... What's even... Why? Why was he located? We don't even know why that happened. And, and yeah. so... That, that just makes it even about more why is so limited in reality. Like, it, it's so good at teasing you, just like a good book does, where the first chapter hooks you, and you're like, man, I know for a fact there's a horrible thing about to happen to this whole world i've never read about i'm in (laughs) and that's exactly what we got like i think maybe we got the first two chapters but like this really just felt like i don't know anything i'm even excited to read the book know the characters a little bit but i don't know anything i'm even excited to read the book too so when the share when the show's done i definitely think we should we should make time to read it read the book and hopefully it's the same i i don't know and maybe i'll see some some in there but with that i think it's time to get uh brandon's opinion a little bit more uh a little bit more on display for this show so we're gonna go ahead and transition topics to this week's episode of strange new worlds that was strange to say the least and this week is likely remind me stranger do do me a small favor because I had to watch the previous weeks and this week's. Oh, which one was this recent one? <laughs> this this was the one that uh, that basically the uh, the captain and the and the crew get um, get kidnapped by yep, Orion okay. slavers. Well, yep. they're not even really slavers. They're kind of more like pirates. They don't really have a. They they, they were they were. Pirates. They're they're definitely they're definitely more of a rogue faction on the Orion Syndicate. At least that's how it came off to me. I didn't feel like they were part of the me. But uh, uh, do, do you need a couple seconds to refresh, or do you want to go ahead and kick us off with what you did not? Um, what I did not like. Um, well. Oh, bye, John. Gee. I mean. I knew who the villain was very early on. Um, as much as I liked the episode, uh, which is what I was kind of talking to John about earlier, that I was probably going to have what would be more or less a hot take in this scenario. Um, I did... Uh, it doesn't help that I watch a lot of stuff. I cons- I've consumed a lot of media over the years. So, like, 
there it, it sometimes can be kind of hard to like fool me if if you will when i'm watching something like in real life sure but like when watching things i kind of will pick up on context clues really well because that's the part that interests me the most and so like super early in the episode i was like oh she's clearly a villain like just just it was just like oh you're evil like i don't know how or where it's gonna go but you're evil and then as soon as she started talking about the slavers i was like oh you clearly know more how is no one like how are you rationalizing me no one on the ship is picking up on what you're saying now her interactions with spock i will give as fair enough like i don't think when she had direct interactions with him that it was like too of overt in certain ways uh be which i do like because it showed that she's de uh she had dealt with you know his type more or less before so that was kind of cool that was fine but like her general her generally speaking to the captain stuff talking about the whole like the point of where they're going and who they're looking at and anytime the pirates got brought up it was just like so apparent so apparent that she knew more than what she was saying and it was just let let to ride out so like it was just like oh you clearly like either you're part of them which would be the stereotypical turnaround like that's not even a clever that's a standard basic super basic trick trick if you will like that's not like it was just like the whole time i was like oh my god you're, you're just so clearly and then what to, to the icing for me was when she showed up at spock's room wearing that black outfit and i was like oh how how like clearly sexy villain are you trying to go for like this is this is just apparent this is abhorrently apparent like you've not hidden this from me at all like you've just thrown it in my face further like get away from me <laughs> like, that was honestly like for the most part i liked it i can see with the point you made earlier that some of some of the cooking stuff and the way pike was talking was definitely like on the cheesier end of the spectrum I would make the argument that fits really well into the the version of Pike that's being portrayed in general. Like that does fit that character, whether or not it's successful, you can argue that. And if it makes sense that it worked, uh, they did very clearly make the green dude an idiot from the get go, like just incredibly stupid. But like, as far as Pike is in that scenario, I felt it fit the character, if nothing else, cheesiness even more so because he's very much like the dad type like making like the joke john that he makes at the end it's very much that's a dad joke all day like it amused me but also like come on buddy, <laughs> like, buddy. i mean <laughs> i mean this is one of those moments where it you know i can understand people not not particularly liking the way that ortegas responds to to the captain which you know that's that's kind of old guard versus new guard going on there yeah um, however, it, I, I was like, if this was in his room and he was playing pirate while cooking for the crew again, uh, whatever, but you're, you're literally sitting on the bridge. Okay. On watch. And, and you decide to make a cringy remark that if I was sitting on that bridge, <laughs> I would have been like, Hey, Starfleet command. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna need to go somewhere else besides the. Yeah, I'm aware. I fought for this position on the Enterprise, made a big deal I'm about ready. it. 
But uh, you Worst know what? Case, dishonorable discharge. Just, I don't just, even care anymore. Just put me on a garbage <laughs> freighter. I can't see. I don't know. See, the thing for me though is, I have, I've, I have in real life experience that in a scenario like that of like, like, did this dude just say that? Like, are you talking about from, uh, from your Air Force life? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, definitely. Please, please you deal share. with a lot of. You deal with a lot of officers, and every once in a while you get one, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" It, you know what? I, you're right, and, and I have like, I have I, met some captains and some full I, birds I had, that I was like, How? I had a sergeant that would have 100 percent made that joke after he had yeah. gone. Oh yeah, no, I I did I definitely did lieutenant. too. Yeah, like, he was the worst <laughs> at dropping the and, and the, like even think about it, that joke wasn't that funny, and it, no. the timing was just. Nobody set him up. No, you know, he no. just ran it like that was a hundred percent dad joke. Besides, and, which, and that's you why know what? I liked it though. Yeah, like, yeah, that's why I loved it. I thought it was so perfect, and I it loved was just the like oh. reaction, the cringe. Just <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. That was definitely like part of what makes that so fun is that it was just like that and, was some cringy nonsense you just said. But and how dare you? The, the best part was when the uh, the pilot, when she like she thought it was funny, but she knew for a fact she wasn't gonna brown nose and laugh dude, out loud. Dude, the like, the pilot is goes, the pilot Ortega. I forget. She uh, yeah, Ortega is the helmsman. Dude, I love yeah. the helmsman. The female hel really the helmsman is one of my favorite characters in this show. She's 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 awesome. Like her and Honestly, Pike. Dude, she reminds me exactly <laughs> of a sergeant that I had in the military. Yeah, like Just always on the ball, knew their job, also willing to help a little bit too much pep for mm -hmm. me as a person, but also that's what you need in somebody like that. Yeah. And yeah, no, just one of my favorite people of all time. And she every time I see her, I just think of the similarities between those two people. I, mm. I really like that character. Yeah. Well, I definitely, definitely enjoy the character. Yeah, and I think or Ortegas does definitely have some growing to do, I think, and, and I do want to see that character develop a bit more. And I think that's why, mm. like, like her mannerisms get mis mistaken by uh, by the audience because, you know, they're like, it's like, oh, are you buddies with the captain? It's like, no, that's just how comfortable she is in her position. She's not mm. trying to, like... You know, well, it's hard to say though with Starfleet well, because in Starfleet, well, there's also an element of there isn't she an officer? Everyone's well, and that's just yeah. it. Everyone's considered equally valuable. The captain doesn't consider himself more valuable than anyone else, and so it's like that. Bringing that dynamic into a military hierarchy is going to change how people perceive and, and well, you know, respect is going to shift. A lot of people don't understand too. Like military environment is weird. Yeah. in a lot of ways because it's like this weird mix of like there are times where you need to be incredibly professional on the ball very rigid and straight lined like you have a way you need to be in this in this moment and then the other side of that coin is like there's all these things you're not supposed to say or do that you're going to say and do anyways as and, long as you're in the right company and the right company yeah, is almost always the same company you spend mm -hmm. every day with yeah once you like, once I, you've worked with the same people enough it's just like you 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 develop certain levels of like i know what i what i can and can't say and then i also know what i can say to either get at you or be funny because i know well, your yeah. humor yeah it's really one of those things where like i know all the digs that are inappropriate and mm -hmm. appropriate yeah so i'll never say the one that brings up your worst traumatic memory 
but I'll get all the way up on that line because I know what that line is because <laughs> I've met you. I'll, I'll edge right up there. For a long time. <laughs> and, and I think that's really what we're actually getting is a, a real crew dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think one of the differences between a lot of the other Star Treks is they assumed that like rank meant everything, well, even in those informal situations like the fog of war. And the fog of war, if your captain is not doing their job, especially in American doctrine, your job is to take over. Cover yeah. them down, don't just like do anything crazy, but like you cover down and fix the situation, even if it's overstepping your commander. Well, the other thing is because... too, in, in those in those Trek shows though, that you're watching now, Next Gen and whatnot, those were written by people who had experience in a military that doesn't exist anymore. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the dynamic too, that's has a, that's changed big so thing, much. It was crazier back then. Yeah. <laughs> But, it was, and it was mostly a, because a lot of things didn't get out. Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of the the teachings from the military were really bad. There was a major attrition rate to medical issues, mm-hmm. and those medical issues were due from physical trauma, which means that like people were getting hurt when they should have been basically borderline football players, NFL players, in form in terms of physical athleticism, physical training, and paying attention to their physical health and in the you know back in the day we didn't even, we still don't even have that for football players with concussions and stuff <laughs> but i think that's what we're really seeing is an evolved starfleet it really did feel exactly like like i i spent a few times in in really higher up meetings with colonels and generals and light colonels and in those meetings the colonels and the generals like you, you it mean took lieutenant them seven colonel? or eight light colonel yeah <laughs> Diet Colonel. No. Say Diet Colonel. Oh my God. For those in the not know, who've now? never been in the military, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel is the equivalent of an 04. Yes, and and. Or no, wait, no, nope, I was those... wrong. 05. It's an 05. Colonel yeah, is an 06. And then 06 is Colonel, and Bull then 07 yeah. is Brigadier General. That even depends and... on branches, but yeah, go ahead. True, 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 true. And but anyway, so like I've been in those meetings where there have been colonels and generals and light colonels and majors and pretty much all of the officer corps. And I'm the one guy in there meant to scribe and not even really scribe. Like I I was just brought there because my lieutenant or my major was brought. What's a scribe? What's a scribe? uh, It's an ancient Mesopotamian position of somebody who wrote. <laughs> the oldest job in the military. In the case of the military, it's somebody who takes notes on the meeting, but not necessarily a stenographer where they take every minute. Kind yeah, of like a yeoman in Star Trek. A good a good yeah. example is like to like the other side of that coin of like what John is saying. Like I've seen that where I've also been in a position where I had to brief my commander. Uh, my flight chief was present. The flight chiefs of the other departments that were part of my part of the unit at the time, which was the maintenance unit, not the flight line anymore. And at that, and that wasn't just like a meeting. That was a whole. That was a like basically a briefing for the week or for the previous week. In which case, that one is held differently than even like what John is talking about. Because I've seen one. I've been in situations where I've seen what John's talking about. But like when you're giving just like. Factual are, information are briefings. similar to these briefings as well. The ones you're mm-hmm. about to describe. Yeah, and those ones though, instead of having as much uh, jovialness because of like the specific people being present and they're not all like the same level, 
it's like a bunch of enlisted individuals and then like the commander and maybe one or two officers and you're going this 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 and this it's it's a it's like this weird it's like a weird tonal shift where it's like all right we're here to give you a briefing on specific information facts i saw this happened this is what this relates to like and i had to do this a couple different times and it's just like it's i think that's part of what has helped me now too like now i'm i'm the type where i'm like if i got to talk to someone like that it's at by then i already was kind of already like this because i got trained by good dudes who thought ahead and was like you have to be able to inform important people of stuff and tell them straight answers true or false so like i had dudes who helped train me to be prepared for it but like you have to give these answers and they're going to ask questions and their tone might seem harsh but it's not that they're being harsh it's i have a question you need to have an answer give me the answer now like well and that i think is a really interesting thing because a lot of the meetings that i went to and and to to go like more often what i was to finish what i was saying about those meetings is like it took four or five or ten of those meetings before the officers forgot i was there and then mm -hmm. suddenly the officers became the exact people you would imagine people are yeah which is what i feel like this show is is like there is definitely a strong element of decorum like ortega doesn't interrupt the security chief when she's giving a lesson but when the security or when ohora asks a question towards the security chief but really just open to the bridge that's when ortega jumps in she's like let me show that Brits i learned never this too breaks. and memorized it and i think that's so exactly military like it, it, even if she got yelled at next i'd have been like ah there's always a lieutenant that yells at you for interrupting <laughs> yeah. him. You know, it, it, even though she didn't, I'd be like, yeah, some lieutenants are cool with that. Like, I've met a, a very wide range of officers in the officer corps, and I've met a lot of different um, higher levels. And the meetings you're describing, Brandon, I think is really funny because one of the big tone shifts I noticed, because I usually had to prep those types of meetings, is when the the hard chargers if you will the ones that always showed up 15 to 20 minutes early every single time they were the biggest goofballs and then as soon as their <laughs> lieutenant or, or their officer that they were paired up with walked in nothing there was yeah it's just immediately straight ever. it's there's a well, it wasn't even like, like we're about to do this now like i'm not going to take the problems like officers <laughs> taking the problems i'm here to have a good time he's got a lot to talk about and then it, it was even the weirdest thing is like as my time went on doing that there was a lot of times where people would walk up to me and go hey my officer's pissed do you have answers to these things and i was like yeah just wait this i updated the whole brief i know it's wrong here i messed that up i fixed it resent it to everybody and printed it for everyone and they'd be like oh thank god and, and these that'll were cost like, you three cartons of cigarettes yeah, well, you know, that was the thing is, like, they stopped they stopped treating me like I was and That's dumb. the saved-your-ass discount. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just constantly kept doing my job the right way, and these people were doing their jobs, and when they would approach me, I would show them that I had done my job, and they were like, oh, well, then I'm going to treat this person like an adult yeah. because every time they need my back, they have it, and every time I need their back, they don't need me. Like... Yeah. It works out, and that I think is so beautifully displayed in this show. Like, 
when whenever somebody pops up on the on the projector it's not like the whole crew's like go goofing like oh captain by the way he's like i'm trying to talk to the admiral yeah like i'm talk i'm talking to a possibly wartime enemy like what daddy's on the phone shut up <laughs> like, if you're in that situation you're already you're already bound like, i, I kind of familiar, yeah, like, even think about it like orville is the perfect example of a ship that's a lot more loose Mm -hmm. because they do make their snarky remarks but the enterprise no but on the we're same the note, flagship we are the pure professionals of pure professionals we're the on best of the same, best and everyone's got a sad backstory that same skin though like there are times where they'll wait it, they still wait until after someone bloops away uh like uh very early on I, I think it's in the first series it's one of the first few episodes it's I forget their two names, but it's the guy that eventually becomes the engineering dude and the the main pilot man in Orville. And oh, uh, they Lamar have a call and, come uh, up. Malloy. Yeah, they have. There's a call that comes up on the screen, and it I I keyed on it too, so it was even funnier. But like this whole time, this dude's talking. Back behind him on a couch is a cat just going to town, just <laughs> going to town, and he cuts off. And they lean back and they're like, "So you you saw that cat licking his balls, right?" Like, yep. And he was like, "Oh yeah, no, for sure. That's that's all I could look all at." All I like. could see. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just yeah. like, "Oh, dude." So that's when I was like, "I'm gonna like this show." <laughs> was there? Uh, yeah. Was there anything else we didn't like about Strange New Worlds? At least, actually, you know what? I'll address one of this stuff more from the fans, not not so much from myself exactly. Uh, there are some people that felt the conversations between Spock and. Uh, villainous of the week that they said it came off as more like woke now i didn't i could see where you could get that from but the problem is it wasn't the, the conversation was about spock's racial identity mm. and the statement that she made i actually agreed with 100 percent. spock is spock he's not a vulcan he's not a human he doesn't he's not required to be one or the other he's he's uniquely him that was the message that I got from it. Um, so I actually kind of like well, that, but go ahead. No, yeah, see, for me, I think, of course, you can think it's woke, but it's more like 1960s woke when people like Alan Watts were saying, stop trying to be what everybody thinks you should be and be yourself. Yeah. Like, it, it really does kind of feel more like Rome wasn't built in a day kind of imagery like you, you you'll become the thing you want to be but you have to put in the work right I mean, like must mind over matter if you don't mind it don't matter it just seems like one of those things you could get tweeted at, at any point and you'd be like oh that's inspirational thank you i'm gonna go to the gym today i'm 14 right? this is deep but but when it comes to spock like everything i've ever known about spock is that he 100 percent was told he wasn't good enough by both parties and if we like if we if even if we think about everything we know about american racism that's like a lot of what minority people have to deal with is they're just more than anything told they're not acceptable enough and so spock living his whole life on vulcan and always being like half human like oh look at that half human scum like i if anything this is like a, a representation of what it's like to suffer ostracization and even though you are considered a beloved member of a crew, you still have no idea what your grand purpose is because everybody else has said your grand purpose is garbage. 
and that's like it's like really hard it's like i can't be garbage yeah the, the character whole life the character of spock, spock this character of spock has always been relatable in many different ways and you, you touch on one of the other ones where where somebody of a of a of, of different ethnic uh background some some of them have, have said that you know while it is inspirational that horror is on the bridge and then you have a russian and, and a uh, uh see sulu was japanese you have a japanese man driving the ship and, and they're all working together i mean the whole idea was there spock was able to give more commentary in the original series because he was an alien because the commentary didn't have to be as direct but he also was not only an alien he was a white alien right and so he was he got to play the role that those and... people were proving yes needed to exactly be and that's what his character is is related to not just from that but also from lonely nerds that that didn't have any friends or were picked on in high school he was that outsider that people could relate to because on the enterprise he's highly respected and appreciated for his, his and that's kind of what we're seeing as the development into that spock with strange new worlds and so i think it was a great i think they're doing a they're doing a pretty good job yeah, I think it's, it's an absolute double entendre if you think about it because not only on the enterprise is he respected as a crew member but he's respected as the vulcan friend yes. so while he was on vulcan his whole life and everybody was like you half human scum i hate you everybody's like meet my vulcan friend yeah everybody's oh. proud to know him and, and proud to consider and so him if friend. you think about it like how much does that mess you up if, if your whole childhood your whole life is spent being you'll never amount to anything and then the one time you try to leave your culture and you succeed and it works perfectly well then how correct is everything you've ever learned your whole life about your culture it's like you have to literally fight your history while simultaneously living your future all day every day and i think that's a conundrum that there are a ton of people in this world that suffer especially anybody that you know isn't where they're from right like i'm from but fuck idaho and I, and that's my one swear language because when i was living here and growing up here there was maybe a hundred thousand people in the treasure valley across three counties now it's starting to pop up and it's starting to be a big city but i grew up as a hick kid in a hick town and all i know is small city living and so now when i watch city folk like complain about the world like they know what's going on and being a hick kid i'm like you guys don't even know about having to deal with farming students like you think all kids get up at six in the morning to get ready for school at eight in the morning to go to school and spend their time no some of them get up at three in the morning farm their daddy's farm and then drive themselves to school at 13. That's yeah. a reality where I'm from. And well, I think was. this show is really, really playing on it. No, it still is. You can still get your license at 13 if your parents sign off that you're a farmer because you have to drive the machine. Well, yeah, you're just you're not going to find that as much in Boise anymore these days, though. But but definitely think, out where I live. I think <laughs> one thing to keep in mind with that thought, too, is like it's really easy. And I'm going to be saying this as like a broader tense than just this situation but it's super 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 easy to take something out of context and make it be anything when once something is taken out of context it depending on obviously what specifically you take 
it could mean anything. It can be twisted to mean one thing or another, good or bad, what have you. But that that's why I'm such a stickler about context. When people ask me questions, I'm like, all right, what's the context of the question so I can understand where we're going with this? And when you think about the context of like well, this this situation specifically too, like I thought for sure I was gonna hear you specifically, PD, uh, talk about how the level of emotion that he ends up showing in this episode, or at least and or portraying, and how that doesn't work. And my thoughts on it were like it kind of does work though because she meaning the the villainess will say because i both can't remember of, her name both of the women in this episode in spock's life oh yeah were also treading that, the line yeah. of experiencing more emotion but also she knows his brother that he hasn't met and has basically shunned all of you know all of the vulcan ways of logic over you know emotion and stuff so there's a certain level of like even if he's done that he didn't eat start off day one fully fully in hand with his motions shoot she more than likely you can take for probably granted that she probably saw different phases of that so she knows the kind of things to get into that and like chink at that armor and like kind of push him subtly at first and she does get that armor in a like uh let me distract you kind of way but more in a let you join us kind of way exactly so like even more it's that thing of like i want to try and shove you to then pull you in and like yeah i want to push you out of starfleet window mm -hmm, and into exactly my window. and into my window so like she she's that's why like i made that point earlier of like all the scenes where it was just the two of them i really liked because spock tried to maintain his you know his his standard way of being but she was trying very clearly well clearly trying but without like over you know over trying like she was doing a very good job no, like the actress did a really good job that she had the restraint of somebody mm -hmm. who knew what she was doing yeah and so what's and the reason i end up liking the end for that then too is it then takes he then spock then does something that i liked of like he was able to then take the intelligence he has because he's incredibly intelligent and then take where she had already pushed him and instead of falling into what she was trying to have him do used it against her and used that as his own strength to try and then change the situation and i really liked i i was like all right i i really dug that whole like in scene sequence and stuff because i was curious where it was gonna go and then when he makes that uh, remark to the medic uh, medical chief i was just like no is he gonna do what i think he is and they did and i was like ah oh, he did yeah and i, and I like that yeah. they, i like that they still <laughs> respected the character because he doesn't he yeah. doesn't lie at any point he no, basically yeah. says i i need you to pay attention and and nurse chapel picks up on it right away and so that's oh yeah because she's to... she's incredibly smart too like she, yeah. no, she and I, immediately do, do you guys have you guys noticed the like the display of intelligence in this show oh, there's dude, so yeah. many times where they show us and tell us everything that's about to happen but if you don't understand the science that they're describing or the plan that should exist like like when spock told her what he was about to do i was like dude 
that's some George Clooney Ocean's 13 stuff. <laughs> like, that's what I like to see. Like, yeah, play your mark mm-hmm. and, and tell your team so your team can play with you. Yeah. Cause... And, but there was no like other setup. It was purely just Spock realizing, doing all the math in his head, going, follow my lead. And she's like, also, he does a very, oh, he does the good does. thing of, yeah, it, he also does the good part of that too, of like, not only does he, he, he hints to her what he's going to do, but he also makes the point of saying it in a way where it's not like too apparent to people standing next to him. He's just like, I apologize for any, what was it? It's like, I apologize for any, for coming off too forward or being, I too forget, I forget what he forward. says, but basically like. I'm gonna end up doing something, and please don't be mad. Like this is this is the best I got right now. And but at first, like you super get, ambiguous that only yeah. two friends would be able mm-hmm. to interpret. And then with her being intelligent, like one thing I do like is the actress does make a point of looking at him like, what? <laughs> and then sees what yeah. he's saying and goes, ah, got you. I'm down. We and got then, this. But <laughs> then she still took a second. Like mm. it wasn't until Spock got into like trouble or started to like stutter Mm -hmm. that she was like we're seeing each other so spock didn't have to lie like every setup as far as who spock is and who she is as spock's friend matched because spock Mm -hmm. couldn't lie instead he just had to enunciate that he was having feelings for somebody yeah and that like in in human terms is a lot but in vulcan terms it's like well you're half human so feelings could literally mean thoughts or anything and and then and the resolution right which a pring is like yeah you have feelings and which is but you have feelings becomes only a bit of sweet like, moment yes. too though because mm-hmm. it becomes this moment where it's clear spock is begins to realize like there may have been more to what i was saying than i realized but also, because like he even even the way he he responds to her is very much like that moment of like, yes, you're right. Thank thankfully we both understand. And it's that it's moment of like, like of I'm agreeing where with he was you. Hoping the breakup stood. <laughs> yeah, like in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, I'm in a, I'm in trouble. Like he's like, I'm not. I'm in a dangerous spot now. And then the conversation he has with the the medical lady is very much clears that down where you can see where she's now like even like she makes the statement she makes but also you can see that she's wavering and she's unsure of what's going on now and oh dude it was so it was so good this was was so juicy best rom-drom i've ever seen on star trek like this is actual romantic lovers triangle drama and I've never seen Star Trek actually get it right without going too hard into the tropes of the Lover's Triangle, where it's like to be fair, very a lot of clearly like one that. of them has to die. But in this instance, it's like, how do you? Tapring is basically a lawyer of some kind, and the nurse is on the Enterprise, and Spock is supposed to be the epitome of uh, virtue, right, and logic and virtue is logical so like how do we resolve this Mm -hmm. and we don't know because it's not resolved yeah and and by having to pring even realize what was happening and like 
which I think interesting enough like it wasn't directly said I do think it will become relevant later that it'll be a thing of like her coming to that conclusion was probably will probably it won't be probably word for word for this but like you'll get what I mean it'll be a, a situation where she came to the conclusion likely out of a certain level of assumption of that he couldn't possibly have done that Dude, that's exactly and what I was thinking. Couldn't like, she possibly was like, actually be getting feelings for someone else. His love for me is that he's so, like, sacrificing the thing at, his life for mm -hmm. my job. The the thing at stake won't be someone's like life of living. It will be that what will be at stake is like the respect and image that is held by everyone. Because now it's all in this fragile balance, just hanging by threads. And it's like where the where the where the sticks gonna fall now and that is so fun to watch <laughs> and yeah. they're doing a good job like it doesn't like where where pike was super cheesy <laughs> with his with his takeover of the ship which i did love though i loved in like the dumbest because it was clear but he, he was clear from the beginning he's like worked. playing this dude but he's so stupid like the dude's just it, like it works i know so what i'm well. doing <laughs> Yeah, it works no, so it well works because they're a tiny ship, uh -huh. and they're a tiny ship of like what thirty people, and those thirty people are missing their commander. <laughs> and the dude that's in charge is is that dude that's like, how did this dude get the get the stick? Like, how did he draw straws and win? <laughs> like, he's the dumb one. <laughs> like the whole front of the ship, or or the 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 captain's. You know, the, the bridge crew are the ones that went and decided to infiltrate the Enterprise. And now he's... we're left with, you know, Malloy. John, I have the I have the comparison for you of who this man is. And you're going to understand it. And I apologize to PD. You might not get it right away. He's the dude that becomes freshly in charge of, like, your unit. And then comes up with this fantastic idea for mandatory fun on a Saturday where we're going to grill... And I, it's going to be this great time. I get exactly where you're coming from. <laughs> but only he's grilling. Yeah, but only he's, he's grilling. never grilled before. Yep. yep. Bring your families. It'll be a great time. Like, I would rather sit at home and stare at my it, drywall with my kids. And it's burned. <laughs> That's exactly right. And you've, you've and been not here. <laughs> Somehow it's burnt, but the inside's not cooked. And you're like, how? How did you do this? Like, this is somewhere. This is this is impressive. Like, yeah, that, in a bad we, way. We, we had everything over well done out in Oklahoma. What? You've never been to Oklahoma before? Oh, how how have you never been there? It's like a small town with too many people in it. That's where I'm from. Mandatory fun on the weekend. Uh, mandatory fun at all? I, I hated mandatory fun, and and that's oh, like like I like company I picnics and love stuff, but mandatory fun because I got. So so drunk for the free bus ride <laughs> every time i did not care i was gonna be blacking out by the time the day started you got to do mandatory fun in a place where that's a little bit more acceptable there was no, so to speak. no there was no bus no, for us no if if you couldn't hold your blackout self you got caught and got in a lot of trouble it was an expert skill to be that dumb <laughs> The, the mandatory fun days when I was stationed in Key West were, it, it was like, okay, we, we're, we're in Key West, Florida, guys, and there's a plethora of bars 
that that we can do we, you know we can do mandatory fun activities that people want to do because you might find this hard to believe mm. but uh men and women in the united states coast guard they like to drink alcohol <laughs> no i know shock <laughs> uh but even then there's I like there's not just places warm. that you know necessarily just have to go to bars but <laughs> there's there's plenty of other places and no it's always uh the military bases you know barely maintained fucking crap shack oh that's two um you've been to vegas that's just no no it's <laughs> literally a shack that is garbage and 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 and, and this is and this like guys it's fun we're having fun we're grilling oh but hey remember remember no more than one beer no. an hour you... only oh oh if you're driving you're driving you need a designated driver you need to wait 20 hours before you can drive again which you know, it's like, okay, okay, but we have to drive all the way out here from Key West to this was, other key was, that's way out of town. Even, even worse than that, in Japan, we would have some officers that would be like, you know, my kids are telling me that you guys have just been the greatest, you know, greatest people hanging out, making the kids have a great time. Be like, oh, so this wasn't mandatory fun day. This is mandatory babysitting. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. sobriety. Dope. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the same thing. Like when they tried to push that volunteer crap during poor calls, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go volunteer to help do stuff," and then you find out it's your painting walls of orphanages, and it's like, I was told that the way you described this this activity, I thought I was reading is, is the not kids right. And exactly. Cool. I didn't no. know manual labor was involved. Oh man, it's. I don't miss it. Oh, I don't miss it. <laughs> And I hope to see one of those in, in whether it's Star Trek or the Orville that does it. I want to see a mandatory fun day episode, and oh, dude, everyone's wanna, just pissed. Dude, I want to meet the enlisted. I want to see I, how I want it to be a day, are, and I want them to be just like the most marine esque, like just <laughs> violent and vicious people. And then, like, you, okay. all you see them is just get really drunk, I, no, and it's like the gotta, one time the captain's me... off the ship. And Let then they clean it all up the before you. they get on board. Yeah. So the sprinkles will be, it'll be one of those scenarios where like Pike and a few of the other like big names are like gone, but they end up in just this garbage situation where they're they're just constantly like trying to save their lives. Meanwhile, on the ship, the crew is just having a party, and it was like mandatory, so some people are just messed up, and like other things are going on. And then, like, you'll have, like, a moment where people were laughing, and then some people look bored, and it, like, flashes back to Pike just, like, <gasps> just sprinting through a Dude, game. that would be the best. <laughs> Mandatory fun day. Pike sets it all up. There's this yep, whole scene up, where the and then has to leave. just complaining for hours. And then somebody walks up to him after his speech, sir, we've got a problem on the ship, and uh, we're going to need to talk to you, and uh, you might need to be down to the planet. Um, and then he dips out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has to exactly. dip out. Always it would be happens. the most. It's always the most relatable. Like, oh no! It's always right the when whole, the commanding the... officer gives his big speech about how great things are and how great they are as a leader and how you're doing things. And it's like, oh hey, oh uh, sir, sir, we just gotta call. You gotta go back to base. We got good stuff. We gotta do. Oh, but oh, better, but I was just gonna even, enjoy this mandatory fun barbecue with everybody. Oh no, I gotta go. Even better, <laughs> even better. It's like oh, like the security officer's the one left in charge or something, and she's just stuck with the enlisted, and they're all sober, and she hasn't realized that the captain's left because for some reason she just wasn't told, and then as soon as she finds out, she's like, "Yo, my enlisted brother." 
Let's go. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else we did like about? I mean, I gotta say, I, I, I'll be honest. I was not a fan of this episode overall. I, I felt it could have been better executed and probably one I'd, Honestly, I'd skip on future I, rewatches. I feel like as, as as far as pirate ships go, as far as especially like I've I've wanted to see more pirates. I feel like the Belters are the closest thing we've ever gotten to space pirates since Planet Express or Treasure Planet. <laughs> <laughs> and I they, really you just crossed that, like, like six universes in one sentence. That was impressive. <laughs> hey man, treasure planet. In one, in one planet attempt to find the phrase treasure planet. I, oh, we could uh, do a whole episode no. on treasure planet. I think this treasure is planet a very, AE. very fun adventure. We're gonna talk about like, that. <laughs> I thought this was a good experience. I thought as far as the show goes, I know that like there's gonna be Trekkies that have to deal with lore breaks and stuff like that. So I've decided to rationalize it. I mentioned this, and I'm probably going to mention this every time we talk about Strange New Worlds in case any new viewers want to hear it or or haven't heard it. Um, One of the other YouTube commentators named Douglas Nelson, which go check out his page, like, subscribe. Really great commentary uh, on just about everything. And and he's he's a really good fair take as well. I I really like having him. I hope we can have him on this show someday. Um, But that said, uh, he put it in the sense that since the J.J. movie, where the where the wormhole you know caused a, a time rift and created a whole new reality that you could but that that actually started excuse me I have to go backtrack right before 2009 Trek was Enterprise with the Temporal Cold War and because the Temporal Cold War changed things and changed a lot of the history that's why now you know follow on Star Trek you basically just have new timelines so for me I kind of view this I don't take the lore breaks as heavily anymore because that's there. The original series will always be there. No amount of retcons or changes is going to undo the original series. Nothing's going to undo TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise. It's all it's going to be. So I'm actually at the point where I decided to rationalize this show kind of more as it's its own timeline. And I'm okay with that. You know, yeah, if they just... Honestly, in this instance, this show actually does feel like its own timeline of everything else like that's where the the disconnect for picard and for uh the other one discovery come in is like discovery tried to do this but they tried in all the wrong ways they tried to hit the excitement they tried to hit the science they tried to hit the crew dynamic and they missed and that's it they missed Whereas this one, they're actually taking the time. Like, Brandon and I are literally preparing guys had to a... disagree with the people who love this kind of stuff. Yeah, you guys you know, had a great... might disagree with all the lore. Brandon and I had a great time with them. You guys just had a great... Yeah, you guys just had a great conversation. That's why I didn't interrupt. Was because it's like, I'm not going to... Just because I didn't enjoy it, I'm not going to come and step on anyone who Exactly. Does. So, and, and I still like the show. Think, although that, I'm a little nervous about this week. That proves restoring, er, restoring uh, respect in the discourse because if I've known anything about you, there was a time when you would just go, no, 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 no. Nope. I'm if not you like something, this if you stuff. like this, you're wrong. <laughs> God, what well, a like, loser I was. One thing I like too, which kind of is reflective on something I said previously in regards to the show, because one of my biggest complaints for a while was that like every episode the ship was about to be destroyed. Like, every time we turn around, the ship was in danger. 
even though we didn't actually take physical damage until like way like the fourth episode or something like it was just like every time we turned around it was like oh no the ship's in danger and what i kind of liked was in this episode the ship was you know hostile takeover you know people were in danger at one point but then it became very clear it wasn't the, I mean, the ship was in danger in the sense that it could be sold off, sure. Yeah, this felt but like, like the it wasn't, low, like the lowest danger. Yeah, like of everyone, of everything present, the ship was the least in danger of, of being harmed. It was like, oh, I might kill you, but we're here for this man. This is why we're here. This is, the ship's a bonus. We're here for this dude. Yeah, you guys so, are just pawns and leverage to get one. Yeah, like... And I like that because it shifted the stakes. Like, sure, the ship is obviously this big point where they t they take it over and they shoot people or whatever. But, like, it was... Wow, why did my brain just dump his name? Wow. Pike? No. Um, Falcon. Spock. Spock. Spock was the one that was actually in danger in this scenario. Spock, uh, Dupring's uh, reputation, like... There was, yeah. a, there was things at uh, peril, but not just everyone instantly dying and the ship exploding. Like, it, it changed the stakes to a point where it's like, okay, no, this is more feasible. Like, this, this is, I, I can I can stick with this. Yeah, this was definitely one of those times where it felt like the plot armor of the ship not being stolen mm -hmm. was, you know, obviously fully active. <laughs> but at the same time... Spock's emotional health was not safe. Spock's yeah, that was what was in danger was from the get-go. You know, and that's such a weird, weird conundrum to actually be able to... Like, like we're discussing it. If we weren't... Like, I feel like there's other shows that have tried this, and we've just gone, I don't know why the ship was in trouble, but then it wasn't, and that's over. Whereas <laughs> this one actually safe. made us realize that, like, you can be an emotional trauma and plot armor can protect the ship but that doesn't mean the character didn't suffer and you mm -hmm. like the character so you suffered too that's yeah. uh and that's that, been that my was feelings really with well done <laughs> yep all right so now of course uh okay, switch that comes the final portion of this broadcast and uh that is this week's episode episode three of orville new horizons so, gentlemen, what did we not like about this episode? Stupid. Okay. Um, I'm. Go for it. I need a a, a plot summary if you want to. Uh, remind that. me. This episode was the one yeah. where they were they ended up in the school, right? So the Orville, yes, pops oh, into yeah. orbit. No, this one was so fun. Oh Orville my pops gosh, into orbit so of, of a planet. All right, yeah, I'll give the quick plot summary and you all can go nuts. Um, the Orville pops into orbit of a planet that's typically desolate. Uh, there's uninhabitable, nobody's there. Sorry for scraping the mic. Uh, and uh, they discover there's a city, and the scanners are picking up a city. And so, uh, in Orville fashion, they take the captain, the second officer, pretty much all the usual chain of command people, the characters that they want to follow all the time, down into the danger zone. And uh, they, they discover that their their city, after they fly down to it, is now a forest. Um, which, by the way, got to give a shout-out to that shot, that entire one sequence where the ship lands and then they walk out of the shuttle. That was amazingly well put together. Loved it. Um, 
Then they walk into a forest, they come across, they find a school, then they go to the school and it acts like a normal 21st century school. And it's a good thing they brought, you know, Lieutenant 21st Century Encyclopedia along to understand what is going on. Um, and then from there, it progresses through a myriad of, of more illusions and, until we finally get to our conclusion, which basically results in the Orville getting its own set of uh, sort of a Q continuum Star Trek, except uh, a lot of we actually have an origin story for these people. So it was a really cool way to go back to a previous episode and a previous uh, plot conundrum from the last season and bring that into this season while creating a whole new set of variables in the process. Well, and not only that, if you think about it, it's such a weird conundrum for it to be the inverse. If you think about it, the, the whole the whole relationship with this society started because of Kelly's interference, and yeah. now this episode is brought on by their interference. And I, I, you know, it's so funny you brought up like the the usual bridge crew that grows and goes down to the ship because Seth MacFarlane fully acknowledges it in the uh, episode two of his blue harvest series when he goes we've got four or five characters four or five of the main characters <laughs> on this five main i characters. think we're gonna I be think fine. We're fine that's such a great line <laughs> i love that line yes yes but, but even then like i didn't expect anything four or five main characters show up on the planet and i know they're the main characters i know none of them are gonna die but i didn't expect that thing to be the main bully i didn't expect cthulhu to kind of show up i didn't expect <laughs> anything I, I i honestly thought maybe it was a kalon psyop all right you know kind of, uh, honestly actually i'm gonna give my ultimate definition of what i thought it was i thought for sure kalon had evolved past the war like they had started doing the math started understanding more and so they wanted to test how long it would take before the crew killed an insurmountable force and everything we saw was deter 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 like get back get back get down and that was something i was like that's a really awesome conundrum like wow the kalon are making them fight their biggest fears and these humans are proving to the kalon that despite fear i'm gonna try to stun this thing rather than kill it and that wasn't it that had nothing to do with the story but that's what I thought the whole time listening. So, so is there any specifics <laughs> of what we did not like about this episode? Well, I, I had mixed feelings on the episode. Um, yeah, you go for it, Brandon. I, I was just trying to think. So, like, for this episode for me, there was some interesting moments, and I kind of liked I kind of liked the twist at the end, both of them. Um. But also, like, it's like the thing of, like, I get, I got the point of, like, what was going on, you know, by the end, you know, looking back on it. But also, it it felt kind of pointless at the same time. Like, I don't, I don't know, I have weird, I have a weird, like, I can't point to any one thing, like, I, I particularly disliked. I don't think there's anything I particularly, like, I can be like, I disliked this. It's just, like, there's a lot of what happens where it's just kind of, like... I don't know. It, it was it, it, a weird feeling. Like there's moments I I liked, but there the overall was just like it just felt like where a lot of episodes really delve really well into stuff, 
and they touch on a topic in this at the very end of it and like most episodes that deal with a topic and it kind of talks about it and you understand what's happening the whole time this one a bunch of stuff happens and then at the end you get a synopsis of why and how that was relevant so then the majority of what you witness like doesn't matter like at one point i thought they were witnessing mm. their fears in going into like uh possible deaths based on that uh, i did notice after like the second one that ev every time they were pretty much about to die that they would get out so like it was just this thing where it was just like it didn't feel i don't know i would say it was probably my least favorite episode but the bar's not high because i've liked so much of the show that i if before that if you would ask me what my least favorite episode is i i probably i would be i don't i don't know man like like, Whichever one I, I, I mean, that's an easy fastest. one for me. Yeah, right. Like, like I did. I wouldn't have had any response. So it's pretty easy for me for an episode that I'm like, it's whatever to be like. Oh, this is my least favorite episode because it just didn't. It didn't like enrapture me. Like my favorite moment was the initial twist at the end where they thought they got away. They're gonna be attacked by the Kalon. Uh, wow. Now I forgot his name, but their Kalon is like, no, those are Kalon ships. Like that, that moment. Was such a fantastic tease oh it was a tease but i was gonna say the moment in in the cockpit there in on the bridge right for me like that whole that whole moment was a big tease and it was a really cool like twist that when they when they twist at the end there that was really well done that was probably one of my favorite moments but even more so like that moment on the bridge where what's her name that has the huge issue with the fact that he's, he's a Kalon. Charlie. Charlie, like, he, uh, the K Kalon is like, uh, those are Kalon ships. We need to bounce now. Like, arm the guns. And, but uh, Captain, but Captain. Yeah, but the Captain, bro, let's go. And the guy. Captain's like, why would I not listen to him? Like, he's like, like it's the thing. Yeah, it's that the was. Inverse that of what happened tease. earlier in the episode where engin the engineering man who's in charge man i i really got to start remembering lamar. names lamar. one of these names lamar is like no go down there and he's like well we should maybe wait like and investigate more and he's like no we need to get down there we don't have time and, and you know she speak pop pops up again and so you know he does he's like all right cool that's what you want then i'll go do it and he gets up and he goes do it does it and they're like they look and then him and medical chief lady are both like mm, we should go back to the ship this is weird and then you have the you have the moment later on which is the exact inverse where he's like no i'm gonna listen to him because he's the only one here who could possibly know if this was happening like he's the only one that could be able to possibly see through because he's not using eyes he's has sensors and, and not he's only receiving through, but information like, he knows the technology that they're capable exactly of because he's granted so, it like, to the ship before he just yeah, and so what and, I liked was that inverse moment where he just shuts her down and is like, no, shut up. I'm listening yeah. to the dude who I know. I He's, he's like, even to though some that, stuff has been questionable and his feelings are questionable, he's like, I know that this individual, like, he's not going to lie to me about this. Even when he, like, even if he was going to betray us, he would tell me to my face that he was going to do it. Like, he's very upfront. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's he's so much the guy that would be like, Sir, I must relinquish my relationship with the Starfleet. I have 
realize that you have no idea what you're doing and I am now in charge. Yeah, like, like he wouldn't do it behind your back. <laughs> no. And and but not only that, that's to me that was the tease. Because like mm -hmm. if you think about it, that was Mercer's greatest fear. Which would he do? Would he actually save the ship or would he you know, not trust yeah. his instinct, which is to, like his first instinct with Isaac does exist. Obviously mm -hmm. he too was betrayed, but he knows that there's a difference between first instinct because of yesterday and first instinct because of 10 years of experience. Yeah. And that was the tease. Like we were teased on Mercer's ability to captain because he didn't fail in the moment where he was most likely to be like Charlie. Mm -hmm. He told Charlie to shut up. <laughs> and that shows Mercer. And that to me was like the solidifying fact. Like that was the moment when I realized for sure this is a Kalon experience or experiment. <laughs> and I was so confused when it wasn't. <laughs> you were like, wait, what? Even I was like, all right. I didn't see that coming. I was like, like it wasn't so cool. It wasn't this cool twist where I was like, oh my God. It was also, it was just like, all right, you got me. I did. I didn't see that. That you definitely got me. Like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know never if I'm comfortable or uncomfortable. I, you got me, <laughs> yeah. but how? I did. Like, I will say when I it revealed her, they're like ex exponential curve into the future. Yeah. Or that being I, their last interaction with them for a thousand years. I did realize though when it revealed her even though I wasn't sure where it was going I did immediately realize what people oh, she no, was I knew from. exactly like who I was she just was, like yeah. oh that's the shiny people like the way ahead of us people okay it was the portal. where are you going with this now <laughs> like what what is happening yeah and, but, and it's I really like how it's uh it it's so I basically said it's a general discussion at this point because we're kind of going back and forth what we did. So uh, I I really liked how it really just drives another knife into one of the biggest plot holes of Star Trek Voyager. Um, in Voyager, there's an there's an episode similar to the to that episode in season two that that this one references, where Voyager comes across a planet that's that's living in a, in a much faster state of existence because they're in, I, I think they said they're like a wormhole or something. It's, it's weird. I'd have to watch it again for more specifics, but basically they live in an accelerated existence, similarly to what we see with the, with the planet that comes in and out of our uh, universe for every 12 days. So in this moment, the Voyager crew, which is lost in the Delta Quadrant, comes across this planet. They, get stuck in their gravity well because that they, they didn't realize that they had flown a little too close. And so while they're there, um, they basically become icons. Similarly to how Kelly's worship, they're mm -hmm. the, the sky friends and the sky ship, and, and they're, they become a, a, a piece of folklore, like pretty much impacting this planet's development. And the end of it resolves with them, one, having this technology where they can they can exist at the same time frame as the Voyager crew without leaving their own existence. And so they're able to start exploring space, and they actually pull Voyager out of orbit and, and, and set it on its way. Well, 
This was one of those moments where they should have just waited <laughs> like a couple <laughs> of weeks and then been like, hey, we see you guys have achieved warp 30 billion. Um, <laughs> Want to help out <laughs> your old pals, that? the Sky Friends, the Sky Ship? We're, we're a big part of your history. Would you mind just giving us a quick lift home? You don't even have to take, you know, you don't have to take the, you take the long way if you want. I, I imagine we can get there. And, and that one was one of those moments. That was one of the ways I thought they should have ended Voyager or would have been a better way. Like they give them a specialized warp course, something, anything besides that stupid board ending. And that, and then this episode, they decide to, you know, use that. They don't just have this, okay, this this planet concept of the week. They actually brought it back. And they played yeah, with it they, a bit. And they gave us the cue, in a it, sense. That's what I mean, is they played with it in such a way that it played with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, would, I, I would thought like... that was so fun. I thought that was such a, like, an ode to Seth MacFarlane and all of his ability to write. Yeah, it was... The fact that he he doesn't forget where he's been no matter which universe whether it's you know dealing with star wars and blue harvest or it's dealing with family guy or it's dealing with american dad everything he puts his hands on he requires the universe to be finite and that means every past moment if it's gonna affect today it has to match so and it works i'm gonna go ahead and shift the gears just a little bit um was there any more specifics of what like? Um, I thought it was hilarious the the initial moment where they drag Pilot Boy into the bathroom and beat the piss out of him. That was hilarious. <laughs> like, like of all the people that's there, he is very clearly like initially when this beloved dude. I have I have to say when I when that initially happened. My theory I developed on the spot was, oh, this is some weird like memory from when he was in school that they're relit, they're experiencing. Like, I could totally see him being a character where when he was in high school, he was bullied and picked on, made to give his lunch money to someone, and they're now back in that scenario. And then it didn't happen, and I was like, what? <laughs> or the re the reveal of Ro of was it Ronnie or Ronald Russell. whatever Russell and he's just this uh, giant ogre and they're just like <laughs> what? <laughs> like that reveal was oh, so shit. good. I was like so like it was that moment of I, like everyone was just like oh shit. <laughs> like, no, dude, no. I went from legitimately going okay. I wonder what Seth MacFarlane is going to. I yeah, try to depict today. I want a copy. I which Star Trek universe he's gonna do. I want a copy of that high school yearbook. I just done. I was I, like, yeah. oh my god. I want a copy of that high school yearbook. I want, I want that, dude. that, I want that, I want Russell's <laughs> just, picture day photo. I want him like participating so, in chess dude, club, I want his sports. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I want, I want him to see participating that yearbook. in events. <laughs> he's on the rugby team. They always win. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just like that thing of like the best part is all the other ones seem weirdly possible but Russell you know, <laughs> Russell was you, the most that was, <laughs> that was it was the biggest throw but then when Cthulhu showed up I was so ready and excited for it I was mm -hmm. like that's everything I fear about the deep water and also 
Cthulhu. Nice. Yeah, when the when the flashing light went away, I went. I was like, how could you have not seen this coming? No, like, how could you I have not? I didn't see that. It was when the tentacles went and the no, flashing I, light came I, back. I, I was like, anglerfish. Instantly, <laughs> I was angler like, fish. anglerfish. I know that one. <laughs> but no, dude. I just... I love that Mercer got frustrated. He got pissed. He <laughs> called him out, and they still said, but do you want to die again? <laughs> like, what? I was so just like... Like, like if you think about it, this was a... a, a, a sim, like a symbolic analogy of drugs. Like, if acid and mushrooms are our current achievement of drugs right killing our ego but then one day we become immortal so we need new drugs to make our immortality fun see altered carbon then one day that immortality isn't being realized anymore why don't i go find life that's experiencing mortality well, so that we can understand our presence in the universe like that was the weird thing is her conundrum was not about you know getting a joy right on death their conundrum was about finding a reason to exist. We forgot how to die. <laughs> so well, what yeah, was we forgot how to, to me matter. Yeah. Is I just was able Actually, to draw a parallel I, I hadn't previously. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had started watching uh, Love, Death, and Robots again uh, to get trying to get through the third season, and I don't remember if I finished the third season, but in, I believe it's at the end of the second season. There's an episode where. You start. It's like it's like a noir, a future futuristic noir. Uh, the like a detective type shows up, is walking in. He's getting briefed, and it's talking about these squatters. And what's up? Season two. Season two. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I think it was. There's the end no of season order two. to Love, Death, and Robots. Love, uh, Death, and Robots is purely a press play, and it will yeah. give you the episodes. Um, love, 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 Death, and Robots. Uh, there's so good. many good animations and other things in there it's that are like the I just want this movie play <laughs> of uh, Unreal Five. And in that one, that episode specifically touches on the topic of like if you can live forever, but you can't have children, and you like you can't like it t it, it kind of touches on that topic of like immortality and what things it, it like if you get to have immortality but you can't have kids like is that a, a good trade which and, one's more important yeah and that that episode like really is interesting to watch it it get just like that episode like where i can weirdly connect these that episode when i watched it and was finishing it made me think really hard and connect to blade runner in a weird way like in in like the kind of what was being talked about and how it was being talked about and the perception from the main character like there's some weird parallels i was able to make with that i made with that but it i was just thinking like the parallels with this episode of like the immortality and like how that reflects and those weird parallels are the signs of good writing yeah like the ones that make you go well i've seen a version of immortality here that kind of resembles this there and neither of the universes line up in any other way mm -hmm. but suddenly they do like that that is the expression of good writing that's the expression it's the expression of original writing 
right? Because even what you just described, Parker, is like everything that TNG and Voyager experienced, and as much as their experience with this, you know, planet that was going through life so fast, it doesn't even come close to what Seth MacFarlane wrote about. Now that we've gotten two separate experiences, and that's that's taking somebody else's idea and then making it your own, your own. Like, I don't feel like Seth MacFarlane plagiarized Voyager in any way. Well, the thing and about... That's such a that's a hard concept for writers to get, but that's proof that it's possible. The thing about the thing about plagiarism is the first thing that people have to realize is uh, concepts and ideas don't strictly belong to one person or another. So, for example, you know, if someone wanted to sue me for making a book, writing a book about spaceships because Star Wars, Star, any number of spaceships. The thing is, plagiarism only matters when you steal people's characters in my opinion um for uh, pretty heavily yeah like yeah it's really the characters plot devices um plot ideas you know those aren't really those are kind of <laughs> subjective because every story well, is basically derived off the first campfire story but if you think about it orville is the exact representation of not plagiarism versus plagiarism because Orville is taking everything that we love about Star Trek making it its own thing making it equally good and equally um, questionable yeah. right every every planet they visit every problem they they face you are left questioning very just as far as the paradigm that is Star Trek goes, Orville is the same. But based on copyright law, it's not, which is nice. But then also based on plagiarism law, it's not. Like if plagiarism had its own law, Orville is 100% not a carbon copy of Kirk, but funny. It's yeah. not a carbon copy, carbon copy, carbon copy of Kirk, but in a pornography. Yeah, see, and that's why that's why I like this show being what it is because it's not a. It, it, this is why I'm glad that Seth got denied for Star Trek because while I do think he would give it a good job, he would be limited no, think... in what he could do. And so this is him giving a Star Trek without lore limitations, without uh, you know having to worry about stepping on somebody else's timeline or headcanon. This I is think, his. I think, I think that is in uh, an understatement of Seth's ability. Yeah. I think if anything, this is a legal workaround to not being accepted to Star Trek, because Seth 100% could have done this in the Star Trek universe, and it would have worked the same. Just a and maybe pleasure. not to every fan. There would have been a hundred percent more people that would be like, "No, McFarlane's character does not." equal anything like Picard like the fact that everybody either calls him Ed or McFarlane and not his character's last name shows that and that would have been a really fun debate you know and just like in in earlier episodes where I've said that like I really believe if I had to pick one captain it's Ed versus everybody else right but if I had to decide which captain was going to get me the most tenure and the most experience in life it's closer to Picard because he's the most resolved 
but when it comes to like McFarlane's writing and plagiarism, what we realize is that the difference between plagiarism and quality original writing based off of somebody else's building plot off of someone's idea, yeah. Is exactly, exactly. It's building. It's not taking the building and saying it's yours. It's taking somebody else's idea and saying how you this is how would I interpret the crew exactly. doing it. And and I think that proves that Seth could do this in any universe, whether it was his own, the Orville, or in TNG, in, or not TNG, but in Star Trek yeah, as a whole. But that's just my point, though. Is he's not limited at all. So, he can yeah. do whatever he wants. And yeah, and, and I think your fears about his limitations are more in terms of EPs, more in terms of you know editors and you know people in charge of the broadcasting. Switching from Fox to CBS is a legitimate conundrum because if you don't notice, CBS is way closer to the Mormon ideology of what good is, whereas Fox is a lot more open to questioning reality and also being deviant. Like, Fox is the only program that actually accepted Family Guy and The Simpsons. If we really think about it, that's a fact. And so, if anything, Seth should have convinced Fox to buy the rights to Star Trek. That should have been... Yeah, (laughs) then it would have ended up in the hands of Disney by now, and oh, who knows how how much they would have Can you imagine if Disney had Star Wars and Star Trek at the exact same time? How how quickly that would end up in interesting ploy? You know, I used to be excited (laughs) at the possibility of a a Star Trek Wars crossover, and now I I just, I don't care. Um, And see, the the reason why I love the Orville so much, and and even though I hated episode two, I still love I this care. show. And if somebody wants to make a parody of the two, yeah. that's called Star Trek Wars, or Star Wars Trek, or War Star Trek, yeah, or that's, that's Trek a Star dis- Wars, that's another discussion I'll watch entirely. it, and I'll pay for it. Yeah, I, all of that's dollars. all you. Um, I'm going to pay for more watching of the Orville, because it's very much... Uh, it's really helped open my eyes to the necessity of independent content and the fact that the reason that Star Trek and Star Wars are in such trouble is because they're owned by corporations. Well, Seth didn't give up his creativity with the show. Um, even well, with no, Fox, I think, he basically said, I think no, this is what an I'm doing. Interesting, an interesting conundrum for you, Parker, especially. Just me knowing you as a person. You are a lot closer to Seth. You are one of those people who grew up thinking you could do it better. And for a long time, I used to think that was, you know, arrogance and childlike dreams. But nowadays, I'm like... But the, first right. draft, the first draft of Star Wars JE would be better than everything Disney has put out. And that's saying something because, man, that draft so, is pretty bad. Just to clarify, <laughs> Dude, I remember for training for the oh. scenes of those Star Wars fights. Yeah, Brandon's got a question. This was episode three, right? Yes, episode three of New Horizons. So you're telling me you didn't like episode two? Is this four? No, this was Orville three. You weren't there last week. That's right. I forgot. You had to take... What? Is this episode four? This is episode three. this is three. It's three. No, this is three. I thought it was three. Yeah, two was the... Because I watched both last night. Yeah. I, I watched the last two episodes, both of Orville and of Star Trek. 
Uh, I just called Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and I liked both of the previous episodes. I mean, I liked both the Star Trek episodes. No, hold on. What did you What did you refer to Star Trek as again? How did you call it? I called it Star Trek. Yeah, get the. Anyway, um, you don't do that here. I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry. It's an easy moment Um, to take. Um, I liked both the both uh the episodes for Star Trek that I watched because I I wasn't gonna jump straight to this week's episodes and not watch the previous ones. So I watched both the Star Trek ones. And then I watched both the Orville ones, and I liked episode two more than episode three. Yeah, um, I'm I'm definitely the opposite. Um, um, like well, if you want to take no, like no, a couple of minutes, get into that. Yeah, why don't you guys get into that? Um, I'll sit this one. I up. mean, for, <laughs> I mean, I I just I enjoy, I liked it. Um, I thought from the moment they they were they they were talking with the Krill. The Krill's talking about, you know, with their religion and what it was saying. I immediately knew that that was clearly foreshadowing. And so I was curious, like, how they were going to do it. And I liked what they did with it. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't think it was overtly original. um, Because there's been things like that before. But also I liked it. Um, Nothing to me like that to me that that kind of situation is terrifying um because they are actively infecting you so unless you're actively killing the enemy your people are being turned don't get me wrong i had issues with the episode for example (laughs) when morrison is like hey we need to get a defense crew set up oh hey uh lamar is in the ducks looking at electrical stuff and she's like i'll go take care of it she takes no weapons she grabs no weapons you've just decided there's a huge threat and you just walk off like listen woman i know you're strong you don't do a good job in this fight demonstrating that you could have ripped these boys in half i feel like but like you could have taken a gun and it would have been so simple would have been way simpler situation just like blah blah like we're done (laughs) like instead she's like huh come after me and let me get in a yep. fist fight with a creature that can spit in my face and make me one of this. Could you imagine if she had turned into one of them? They would have died. Everyone would be dead. The ship would explode because she'd just tear through the hole. Like, it just... That was the... Out of everything in that episode... Like, I liked the episode overall. But her running off without any weapon after making the decision of we need a defense grid made absolutely no sense to me. I was just like, what the... Yeah, I, I didn't like it because every possible stupid decision that could have been made was made, and it was painful for me for me to watch, I mean, but... I suppose, but, like, with the children, that's reasonable all day. That's a realistic scenario with kids. That's what kids do. Um, kids don't listen quite often. The small child was like, we should have stayed. The older child, who was shown a disobedient cord constantly, was like, no, that seems like a terrible idea. I want to see what's happening. We could be also in danger in our room, especially if you can't lock the door. The room, their their apartment room, isn't exactly safer. Uh, to be fair, like, um, the dude that they run into, he was kind of dumb, but also in a scenario like that, if you run into kids and they're yelling "monster," you're usually the reaction is going to be like okay sure where's the monster and then it's like oh my god there's a real monster (laughs) um 
I think Lamar locking himself, that was actually incredibly smart to me. I thought that was clever. I didn't realize what he was doing at first. Um, yeah, you're stuck in a prison, but also at that point, like, the only way you're going to die is if everyone else dies. So, like, you're boned <laughs> versus being Oh, that, that wasn't being even any turned. of my issues. Um, my issue with Lamar, do... my issue with Lamar was when he was like, okay, I'm going to go track down where this electrical problem is, and I'm going to use my own two eyeballs. While he's standing next to Isaac, a super advanced robot, and he's going to use stupid agree. eyeballs. Like, what? come on. Two... Okay, Though, no, that said, you are dumb. That to me, I, I said this last time, and I'll say it again. For a fact, Isaac has never once demonstrated that he wouldn't open with some kind of analysis if he had anything. He had nothing. He didn't know. He so didn't I, understand. I'm still not sold. I have two things. I think I what this is trying to prove is that Isaac is very smart. But so is human evolution at this point. Like, yeah. humans yep. are the ones that, that figured out the quantum drive, right? And Lamar is capable of understanding slash running it. The difference between Isaac and Lamar is Isaac never, ever questions human emotion. Whereas Lamar would get hung up if he was dealing with something emotional. Isaac is like, I can never have to deal with that i never have to wonder about where i belong in the universe yeah i, I still, don't, do. still don't buy it i, uh, go ahead, I would make i would make the argument that john's john's arguments i don't think a terrible one i think in that scenario the the ship sensors are down and usually when um he has done scanning for them he's utilized the ship sensors that he can just access and understand what they're saying so he and also whenever they've scanned on a planet he doesn't use his own systems he uses one of their scanners as well to scan and absorb the data so yeah, i think he, that's a fair argument that's not my initial argument but i do think it's fair uh because i had a similar thought at first and then i noticed which i've uh when i saw it in the episode i recalled seeing it previously one thing they have done is where you have these, and where you can make the argument that it's a weird choice, where you have these tunneled areas throughout the ship, these ducting, so you, so people can get in and do repairs if they need to, because they're out, you know, in the middle of space. You can't rely on having a technician specifically come out there and fix your Wi-Fi, right? So you need to be able to do it yourself. The doors, if you pay attention to any of the doors that go into those sections, they are incredibly small. They are not the same size as the areas that they go into they're smaller and where isaac could fit into the ducting the doorway it shows when uh when lamar yells back at him and isaac's like oh i'll go tell them if you pay attention that square is a sh is a at a size where a human could squeeze through it but that involves like compressing ourselves which we can do which isaac cannot do well I mean, technically he could, because we know that he's a human in a suit, but, like, the character can't do it because the character's supposed to be of metal, and you can't compress his shoulders down. So he would never, like, you would have to pick him up, rotate him at an angle, and then hope that he's big enough to slip through. So him getting in there is a problem. That was the thing that, like, occurred to me. Because if you look at the shot where he's standing there, part of his head's cut off, and you can see 
like just the bottom of his like the top of his shoulders or something so that tells me that that little door is tiny little door why they made a tiny door i don't know but it is a tiny door so you could make the argument that even if he was to go in there and scan things which he has shown he can scan like the individual sockets and stuff he can't get in there to do that um because when they built it they weren't exactly thinking of robot <laughs> like they weren't like a robot needs to get in here right right a human <laughs> So explain that when you get to that corridor, not when you're standing in, in front and, and just say, oh, I'm going to find it with my own two eyeballs. Yeah, I'm going to save the day. But like, if you, if that's, the I thing guess, is, is you're looking what, is at it just from a guy an outsider in looking oh. in. If you're, if you're part of the crew yeah, there, that's going to be given information. Like you don't need to elaborate on that. You already know. So then Isaac's like, well, how are you, they're like, how are you going to look? He's like, well, I have eyeballs. If anything, like, that's we don't have scanners that can scan yeah. it. Like, I appreciate that's the evidence tips. of them taking the time to prove that Isaac but, couldn't yeah. have done it any, hey, All right, any last things going back to this episode? Sorry, we're coming up against the clock. we got three um, minutes left. Any any final points or any anything where uh, the, the teaser certainly looks interesting. Looks like we're going to get I a look at the, at the Krill homeworld this week, so... We'll oh, see how be. the we'll see how the, I keep how that goes. I keep wanting the female crow to come back. I want to see her back. I want to I want to see the possibility of that relationship be a thing again because that would be fun. That would be that would be so fun because I feel like her. It would be interesting. It would be interesting to have her for some made whatever reason. I don't care what the reason. Make up some stupid reason that she's stuck on the Orville again, but not as an enemy anymore, as an ally because they're allied now and have the situation of dealing with Morrison walking around their previous relationship then you have his ex-wife present and the weird like back and forth animosity slash friendship that could build from that between those two but then also realize that like his ex-wife still has feelings but feels like it's not realistic and then the cruel woman probably still has feelings but also hates him for things that he's done yeah. and have this weird like I both like you and hate you because I still want this man, but yeah. I can't, I, I can't, and you, like, that could be, it's like a stupid, fun, like, it could be a, its own little interesting, fun event. Um, I've right. been wanting that character to come back for a yeah, while. Yeah, Relentlessly Relentless in the chat says, damn, look at that beard. Thank you, Relentlessly Relentless. <laughs> not sure he's I'm talking very, to you, uh... but I'm pretty sure he's talking to you. I don't know, there, we got a couple oh, of good beards you, on this stream. He's talking to you, John? none. <laughs> oh, I got that five o'clock shadow. <laughs> so, as you may have noticed, we did not have Kenobi in tonight's show. We have decided that we're going to go ahead and do a special this week, maybe Thursday or Friday. We'll figure out the exact time and, of course, blast the socials when we do. And that will conclude our uh, Kenobi discussion. But we decided uh, with between part five and part six and with the old sure man being so good that that made sense just to shift things around talking to pd well thank you i, I appreciate the acknowledgement of the beard whether it's good or bad it's it's a lot of fun to wear especially in the summertime uh other than that uh we will absolutely be back next week with uh with more discussion hopefully my name is pd york